This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips. I'm your host, Howie Lim. Now, estimated by Grayscale Investments to be a trillion-dollar revenue opportunity, investors are scrambling to gain a foothold in the emerging digital ecosystem that is the metaverse. Investment banking group Jefferies believes investing in the metaverse will be like investing in the earliest days of the internet. Some say focus first on hardware providers, then software providers, then on companies that operate within the metaverse. Some say the increased demand for semiconductor chips, processors, cloud services and the like will make those players worth investing in, as well as augmented and virtual reality products. And if Ether, Bitcoin, and other cryptos are the money of the metaverse, then non-fungible tokens or NFTs represent the stuff that fills up the metaverse. Great. Now I've confused myself. Good thing we have an expert on hand to help us navigate what's sounding like an exciting but perhaps complicated space. Kathy Hackle is a recognized metaverse expert and tech futurist. She's also chief metaverse officer of the Futures Intelligence Group. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Excited to be here. So what would you say the metaverse is? Is it as simple and prosaic even as a digital ecosystem? Or is that just an oversimplification? So it's definitely an oversimplification if you define it that way. The way I explain to people, I say we have to go to the past to understand where we're going. So in Web 1.0, we connected information that gave us the internet and that changed a lot of things. Then we evolved into Web 2.0 and that connected people. And that gave us social media, it gave us e-commerce, it gave it gave us the sharing economy. That changed a lot of things as well and gave rise to the tech joggernauts of today. We're now evolving again. It's this evolution that's happening again. And we're going to what's called the Web 3.0. And Web 3.0 connects people, places, and things, or people, spaces, and assets in a very broad way of defining Web 3.0. And sometimes these people, spaces, and assets can be in a virtual ecosystem or some type of virtual world, but they're not only in a virtual space, they can also be in the physical world. So when I define, when I start to think about the metaverse, which is you know enabled by Web3 technologies, it's enabled by many different technologies, we're talking about the future of the internet, right? The successor to today's mobile internet. We're talking about a convergence of physical and digital lives. Yeah, we're talking about a lot of different technologies, not just virtual. We're talking about blockchain. We're talking about AI, AR and VR as entry points, 5G, edge computing, you name it. So the metaverse, in essence, we're not there yet, right? It's being created. It's being built. We're seeing glimpses of that convergence of physical and digital. But to be honest, the big thing I think is that we're all getting on the high-speed train destination metaverse. We don't know when it stops or how many stops there are along the way, but we're all getting on this high-speed train right now. And why invest in the metaverse? And would it be like investing in the earliest days of the internet, like we said? Yeah, it is. It is. I really wasn't an investor in Web 2.0 that I wasn't there yet with, you know, my knowledge, but I am an investor in this Web 3.0 era, in this metaverse era. I've been able to invest in in some really interesting, um, you know, startups. So, I do see it in some ways when you start to think about investing, the regular ways of investing, right? Whether it's, you know, by publicly traded shares and stocks, or if you're going through a venture fund, there's 
And you have avenues of investing that are opening up, which are, you know, normally now in the form of non-fungible tokens or in the way of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. So it's almost you have to look at things that are starting to happen as new investment vehicles in this space. That being said, this is not financial advice. The things I'm personally investing in. So if I am buying an NFT, uh, I'm investing in it and I'm investing money that I'm willing to lose right? Because it's still very nascent and volatile. But it is about, you know, diversifying and looking at other investment vehicles. And and in some ways, if you think about it, if you invest, let's say, in virtual real estate, you could be buying a piece of the future of the internet. Um, so that seems really exciting, right? So I'm willing to take that gamble with my with what I call my fun money. I think it's an interesting time for a lot of us to experiment. Some things will work, some things will fall flat, just like they did with Web 2.0. Uh, but those of us that make, you know, some of those early investments could, you know, reap uh, really great benefits in the future. For the risk of us, this is sounding not so good, Kathy. Spoken by somebody who, you know, kind of has her cash under her mattress, <laughs> so to speak, because it's all very non-tangible, intangible. Mm-hmm. Some of the vehicles are quite nascent, like you mentioned, NFTs. I mean, people sold that NFT for $69 million. I'm not sure I could part with that kind of money. <laughs> well, I, I think it's also, so there's two things happening here because it's digital ownership of digital assets, right? So in the Web 2.0 era, what could you really own on the internet, right? Maybe you could buy a domain, but you know, you didn't own your Twitter handle and you didn't own your Facebook page. Like, so I think the big difference now is that in Web 3.0, you start to have at least a glimpse or a possibility of owning your digital assets. And I think that that's very powerful. You also have another component that is that the younger generations are already doing business in virtual spaces, right? They're buying, you know, virtual goods for not cryptocurrency yet, but like virtual currencies inside a Roblox or inside a Fortnite. So they're already buying digital assets. So it's almost like, you know, for the risk averse, it's probably not necessarily a good, you know, a good place to jump in if that is the case. But for those of us that are willing to maybe explore and pioneer, it is a very interesting option. I would say the younger generation seem to be very comfortable in these virtual spaces and buying virtual goods. I'll give you an example. My kids, when they have a special occasion or they get paid their allowance for doing their chores, they, you know, don't ask me for cash. They ask me for Robux, which is a digital currency inside Roblox. That's that's what they want to spend on. Kathy Howe's inflow to the metaverse in 2021, we hear virtual real estate really took off. How does it all work, so to speak? Yeah, so I would say that when you're buying, for example, some of these non-fungible tokens and some of these assets that are on the blockchain, there is friction. I won't say it's easy. <laughs> it's not the touch of a button and you've got the asset. No, it, it, there is some friction because you have to set up a crypto wallet and you have to buy the crypto and you have to transfer the crypto and then you have to wait on the blockchain for it to be processed. And there's a whole bunch of different things, right? So there is friction. But once once you start doing it, you, you get more comfortable. So is it the easiest thing? Not currently. I think that is something that a lot of people in a lot of companies are trying to solve. I don't know. It looks a little clunky right now to me. Um, there's a lot of friction, but the upside could be pretty huge. I'll give you an example. So I bought a piece of land in the sandbox, which is a decentralized metaverse platform. I wouldn't call it a metaverse because to me, there's only one metaverse. And I bought it probably 12 months ago, let's say, or something like that for 0.7 ETH. But it has increased in value probably 5x. In the last year. 
So yeah, those are meaningful numbers to me. If people have the extra money, like the fund money or the disposable income to start to take some of these little risks, it, well, not little risks, they can be big, but to start to explore some of these things in Pioneer, then try it. But once again, don't put money into this that you're not willing to lose or that you wouldn't be safe losing. I'll give you another example. So I was early on into some of the blue chip NFTs. So uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, has something called VFriends. I actually got two of his NFTs at launch. So I minted for about $1,200, so $1,200. Now those NFTs are worth, if you can believe this, $24,000. So What? Yeah. So there is this crazy internet money <laughs> right, that is being made. But the value is assigned by the community. The value is assigned by the people that want to have these things. I'll give you two other really interesting examples. I personally don't play golf. But there is something called the Lynx DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization that launched and said, become a member of the Lynx DAO, buy your membership here, we're going to buy a golf course. And I said, okay, because I want to be a part of this thing where people are going to buy a, a golf course. I want to be a part of a member of this experience. I want to explore the future of the country club. Um, so, so I bought into that. Another example. I don't eat a lot of fish, but there is a restaurant in New York called Flyfish that is launching as an NFT restaurant. So in order for you to make a reservation in this restaurant, you have to be a member. And the only way to be a member is buying their membership NFT. So I have a membership to a restaurant that is opening in 2023 in New York, hopefully. The specialty is fish. I don't eat a lot of fish, but why am I buying it? Because I see value in it. Yes, why? <laughs> I see value in it. I want to be a part of this new experiment. I want to be able to go and take my friends to this restaurant that I find very amusing and, and interesting. And, you know, and if in the future this becomes like a big membership, I can sell it if I need to or, or what have you. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. We're speaking with Kathy Hackle, Chief Metaverse Officer of the Futures Intelligence Group, about the investment opportunities in the metaverse. So, Kathy, will geographical location make a difference to investing? Say, for example, I'm here in Singapore and the landscape is such here. And we also hear Shanghai is encouraging the use of the metaverse through its five year development plan. So, if an investor were in Shanghai, would it make a difference? There is an element of where you are geographically located, of course, like Singapore tends to be very friendly uh, to crypto. Certain places that tend to have that more open attitude towards cryptocurrency are probably going to have more opportunities. It'll depend on what currency you're using, what exchange you have access to, what are the things that are going to develop within your ecosystem. I mean, I look at a country like Korea, who's going all in on metaverse, and I find that incredibly interesting. I mean, they've got government backing. I think it's interesting to, to mention that, you know, this is not a US-centric trend. I mean, this is kind of all over. The NFT communities for a lot of these projects are all over the world. So it's not only happening in one place. That's why one of the big things in the big conversations I've been having is that in Web3, what becomes the Silicon Valley of Web3? Silicon Valley was Web1 and then obviously Web2.0 at full dominance. That changes to me in Web3. I feel like, for example, cities like Miami, which are very crypto friendly, are hubs for activity in Web3. And if we are going to have some type of open decentralized metaverse, then th these technology hubs 
will be distributed. It won't be just one place. Uh, you might still go to Silicon Valley to raise capital, um, but it doesn't mean that the projects and the big breakthroughs will come from Silicon Valley. To me at this point, in 100% honesty, like Silicon Valley feels a little Web 2.0. It feels a little old. So what would you say is worth investing in the metaverse and why, Kathy? Yeah, I think there, there's definitely publicly traded companies that are of interest to many investors. You've got Unity, for example, which is one of the game engines where a lot of these new virtual worlds and experiences are being built. You've got Roblox, which has done great. Uh, you've got NVIDIA, uh, which is you know part of the infrastructure, let's say, that is going to power um, how we're going to be able to kind of uh, engage with the metaverse. Uh, you've got Microsoft, of course, Meta, formerly Facebook. I mean, you've got a lot of these bigger tech companies already putting billions of dollars into the creation of this future metaverse. If you're more risk averse and you don't want to necessarily, you know, buy a membership to a future golf course that you don't know if it's even going to exist, um, you know, you could buy publicly traded stocks. Especially if you don't play golf, Kathy. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I'm interested in seeing what happens with the community, right? And then if it becomes something big, I have an asset I can actually sell as well. To me, as you know, I work with a lot of brands and a lot of companies, so I have to be able to experiment with these things to understand what's happening. What are the pitfalls, though, to look out for, and how do we navigate them? I am a parent. I do have three children. So I think about with virtual reality, for example, like, would I allow my child to play virtual reality for hours on end? No. I think that there still needs to be a lot of regulation when it comes to children in some of these virtual spaces and more protection. So that's something to keep your eye out on. You know, if, if you got if you gave your child a an Oculus headset for Christmas and they're under 13, are you regulating and making sure that they are being protected? The companies that are creating these, you know, devices need to step up and uh, and be part of, of making sure that the Web3 future is not like the Web 2.0 future that they gave us. So I think that there's a lot there. And I think from an investment standpoint, you know, any project that you're buying into, once again, don't put money in that you're not willing to lose. And then look at the roadmaps, um, you know, try to see who is behind this project. Is this someone that has a clear roadmap? Is this someone that has a reputation? There's plenty of examples in Web 2.0 that, you know, someone with a reputation did something wrong, like in Elizabeth Holmes or something like that. But it happens all the time. But I think, you know, doing your due diligence like you would with any deal in any investment, um, not just doing it on the fly, I think is important. What's your outlook for the metaverse in 2022, Kathy? And shouldn't we just call it investing in tech? I mean, a rose by any other name, right? That's a good point. I mean, it is investing in tech, right? You are going to be seeing, I think, new investment vehicles for virtual real estate. And those might be entitled to use the term metaverse, let's say. But it is investing in tech. It is investing in creativity. So I look at several things that are on my radar. I see gaming acquisitions accelerating. So you've got, for example, the acquisition of Singa, uh, which has Animal, Animal Horizon and for $12.7 billion dollars. That is massive. I mean, that's more than what Microsoft paid for Bethesda. So I think you'll see an acceleration of companies acquiring gaming players at big, big valuations. So I see an acceleration there. I'm interested in seeing potential IPOs. Like, is Epic going to be Epic Games, which has Fortnite and, and Unreal, is that going to be an IPO this year? Is Niantic, for example, that has Pokemon Go and uh, and Pikmin Bloom, are they going to IPO this year? So I'm keeping my eye out for your know, potential IPOs that might come that are related to Metaverse. A lot of M&A, a lot of movement, a lot of potential opportunities to invest in some of these players that might not be uh, you know, publicly traded yet. Kathy, it's been an absolute pleasure. 
I hope the next time we speak, we'll be decked out in our finery at some virtual restaurant within the metaverse. I would love that. Yeah, I hope that went well. That was fun. <laughs> I will see you in the metaverse. We've been discussing the investment opportunities in the metaverse with Kathy Hackle, Chief Metaverse Officer of the Futures Intelligence Group. And that's a wrap for Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.